Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership Podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership Podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to be discussing the interview that we had on Monday with Brian Preston and Bo Hansen, who talked a little bit about how to use money wisely, especially in your late teens and early 20s, and how to make the most out of your educational time in college and really getting started in your professional life. Joining me back in the studio are my friends and fellow leaders, Ansley Burford, Ethan Kelly, and Isaiah Friedemann. What did y'all think about the episode. Ethan, what'd you think? I loved it. Lots of great, no-nonsense advice and very applicable, very relevant. And from, from guys that are very established in their field. So it's great to hear it. Yeah. Ansley, how about you? I really enjoyed it because the information they gave didn't seem like they were trying to sell me something or they were trying to actually diss young people. They were actually trying to explain the reason why young people don't really invest all that much is because they don't really know how or they don't think they have enough to invest. I think they gave some really great pointers that were applicable for young people especially. Yeah. Zaya? I thought it was really good. Uh, it was nice to hear it right before I got off to college, I think, just to, to have a few of the things in mind. One of, the, one of the things I liked that they brought up was a point they made several times just in passing, but they're talking about deferred gratification, which I think is something that's alluded to a lot, but it's nice just to put, put a finger on what exactly it is and how I can integrate that into my life. Yeah, and so deferred gratification is one of those nice, you know, $100 terms. <laughs> Explain deferred gratification for us. Basically, don't buy on instant impulses. Wait, uh, see if you still want it, and save up and buy, buy the one thing you really want instead of getting a bunch of fast food meals or whatever else comes up randomly. Um, that seems fun at the time, but may not be best for your total financial state. Absolutely. And Isaiah, you are a recent high school grad. Ansley, you're a college student. Ethan, you are a professional in the financial realm. So I wanted to kind of go off of what Ansley has already been saying. What are some basic tips for how to get started investing, especially if you're college age, young 20s? Because there's so much potential to turn $1 into $88 when you're in your late teens or early 20s versus when you get to 30, it's still a lot. You can turn $1 into 23 over the course of your career. But what are some basic tips on how to get started investing in some simple ways? Absolutely, absolutely. One thing I would echo is that that first decade, that 20 to 30 decade is incredibly important. And for the casual investor, it is easy to get intimidated. Don't don't let that frighten you. My first investment wasn't really an investment. It was a bank CD because I was mm. so scared of volatility that I didn't want to lose that BMW I wanted to buy. And so I thought, well, I'm not going to risk it on the stock market. I'm going to buy this 3% CD at the bank. And that's what I did. 
But for those that want more, that have a longer term horizon, they're not looking, they're not saving something that they're going to buy in the next year or two, get into the stock market, get into investing. And it's not as intimidating as it seems. You know, younger people a lot of times like to you know, do everything online. There are some ways to just online find a brokerage firm they that will let you apply online and join up for a very small amount uh, i'll give a shout out to interactive brokers group they're they're All great right. they're great not um, sponsored but hey, not if, sponsored. You want, if you would like to sponsor the show <laughs> but i will also say this a lot of brokerage firms have brick and mortar locations near you and so you know I also use TD Ameritrade. Those guys have a brick and mortar location near me. I go in. They know a lot. They help me with all the sign-up paperwork. They don't have a very high minimum investment. So you can just walk in the door, plop down your $1,000, $2,000, whatever, and uh, you know they can help get you in a good mutual fund or something. And so there are some easy ways to get get started in investing that don't involve you you know, getting into something too complex. You know, you you don't don't buy the the TV commercial selling you a brilliant options trading strategy. So what Ethan's just shared is something that is not too too difficult, but it still seems like there's some. It feels like there's a barrier to entry. So maybe Ansley and Isaiah, from your perspectives, what are some things that, as you think about investing, things that kind of hold you back? When I think about investing, and when people um, use the kind of terms like Ethan was talking about. I feel like I haven't met the mark yet. Like I haven't made enough income to actually be able to take those steps. Because like you said, $1,000 does sound like a lot of money to me for someone in college right now. But I realize if I do decide to take that step, that money's going to like work for me. Yeah. And Brian and Bo talked about how over time it could even be making more money than you're making in a, right. in, in a single year. I think part of it for me is just uh, quite literally a, a lack of knowledge on how to get involved with the stock market and also just the lack of open dialogue as far as how young people can get involved. Like I really appreciated this podcast by Brian and Bo because they gave very practical tips, but also I, I still don't have a ton of practical knowledge about how to even get in um, that gamer get started on on doing that. Yeah, and there's going to be some resources from the Money Guy show in the notes that will help you to get a better feel for what exactly needs to happen and even where you should be in your 20s financially if you're really on top of your game, which the Money Guy show can help you to do. Well, Brian and Bo talked about maintaining a frugal lifestyle out of college, about how you can make a $10 bill go really far when you're in college and then when you graduate, you can get lifestyle creep. And basically, suddenly, you got all these new desires, all these new opportunities. you got all this money to spend. And they recommend maintaining a certain degree of that college frugal lifestyle out of college. So what would be some good ways that, that you have done that, some practical advice? Yeah, one of the things that I think of automatically is uh, straight out of college, I kept my food budget low. So I, I spent, uh, as some listeners to this podcast already know, I spent a few years after college in Honduras teaching at a school, and I would say the the plurality of my meals every week were rice and beans, with maybe something else, but it was rice and beans, and, and I saved a lot of money that way. And I, I continued trying to eat very cheaply, um, even after getting back to the United States. Another thing that I will say that I did not start doing until a couple of years ago is budgeting. It helps you be real with the money that you're spending. 
and it helps you to know where every single one of your dollars is going. So they're working in the directions that you want them to work in. So that's what I would say. I don't know if either of you have, have anything to say as far as living frugally goes though. Yeah. Well, one thing that just building off what you just said, it, it's kind of crazy. If you think about like going out to eat 10 times could easily be a hundred dollars. And that is, that's $8,800 for you, whatever, when you're 65. There you go. Think about that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's like, do I want these, these burritos and hamburgers or do I actually want to have the lifestyle that I want one day when I want to retire? Speaking of that, I often find myself struggling trying to find the balance between being in the present, living in the moment, and also preparing for what's to come. So should we be more focused on living in the present or planning for our futures? I think a, a myth about living in the present is that you have to spend money in the present. I have gone out to eat many times with my friends and not actually spent money. I, I very rarely spend money when it's my own money, when I go out to eat. Um, <laughs> occasionally, I'll spend my parents' money to go out to eat. But um, it, it just seems like very instant gratification, but very um, low-lasting uh, payoff, I guess. It just it doesn't last. If I get something for $100, if I get a guitar pedal for $100, I'll have that for years. But if I get 10 burritos, then those are going to be gone instantly. Any thoughts, Ethan? I totally agree. I'm a, I'm a big fan of saving your purchases for something that lasts. You know, that's why um, I'm a car guy. You know, you, you can save up and buy a car that you like and you can enjoy it every day for years. But, you know, when you go to the restaurant, maybe not get the most expensive item on the menu because that's something that's just going to be gone, you know, in an hour. And so, Definitely enjoy something that lasts. I will, one caveat I'll add on that, and I'm a very frugal person and, and I don't, you know, like to spend too much on, you know, immediate experiences that disappear. Sometimes experiences are important. And Absolutely. so, you know, one thing I think of is that, you know, my wife and I, you know, last few years, you know, coming out of school and everything, being trying to be very frugal and everything. Sometimes it's nice just to splurge and get away for the weekend and have that fun experience that you can always look back on fondly. And so one, and, and I remember some good experiences in college too, where it wasn't really necessary, probably should have been studying, but kind of said, you know what, I'll do it. But for the, but those are the exceptions and that's what makes them great experiences and great memories. Um, every day on the day to day basis, you want to be frugal and, you know, be careful about your time and money. I think that's a good point. I think what makes it so valid is that you're having instant gratification, but the memories last a lifetime. Like I can think of times um, I had the opportunity to go to Philmont Scout Ranch, which is a lot of money, but it's a 12-day backpacking trip through the, the Rocky Mountains. And those, those are some of the best memories I have. I got to do it with my brother. And that's, that's priceless. Um, it had a very high price tag, but it, it seems like instant gratification, but it's really a, a lifetime of memories. And I think a big part there is what are you saving for? Are you just trying to hoard money? Because then you're kind of on like the miser track right there. But the, the question is, how are you working towards your, your goals? And part of your goals could include having memories to look back on with the people that you love being around. Another part is just making the most of your experiences. I think you can be too cheap. And a good example of this comes from my own life. My first Thanksgiving in Honduras, I went on a vacation and I was trying to be as frugal as possible. I was trying to spend... Uh, as little as possible per meal. So I kind of set this this amount for myself. What I would do is I would I would order a, a, a small meal so I could stay within that range. But like within 15 minutes after that meal, I was hungry again. 
And so literally the entire trip, I would eat a meal and be waiting for the next meal. And that's no way to spend a vacation. <laughs> like that's, that's not a good thing. On top of that, it was raining and all that. But when you are on a vacation or when you're living life, you want to live a life at a decent level. You know, if you're too frugal and you just don't enjoy what you're doing, then that becomes uh, something that you got, you got to really question your priorities then, I think. Absolutely. I would like to echo what Isaiah said at the very beginning. You don't have to spend money to have a great experience. I tell lots of stories, but you know, when I was in law school and I was dating my wife, we couldn't always go on dates. I mean, I just couldn't, you know, afford to go on a nice dinner date all the time. She lived in the same neighborhood as I did, so our dates really were going on a walk through the neighborhood. And you know what? It was free. <laughs> and so <laughs> and it wasn't much, but you know what? We have a lot of good memories walking through the trees of that neighborhood, looking at all the houses and talking about our big plans and which houses we liked, which ones we didn't, what kind we wanted to buy when we got older and all of that fun stuff. And so I bet you had a lot of good memories after you graduated from law school as well when you actually had a little more money to spend. <laughs> so one of the things that, that Brian and Bo talked about was how to separate yourself from those around you. And so I, I guess one of the questions that I have is, have there been ways in the past that you have purposefully set yourself apart from others by what you were doing? Well, uh, one thing I would encourage, especially for college students that are listening, is have a well-rounded education. You absolutely focus on what your passions are and be world-class. I, I loved that Brian and Bo said that, you know, be world-class in your passions Definitely do that, but also make sure you're well-rounded, and that's the value of liberal arts education. And so one thing I did was, you know, I had, I loved history. I'm a huge history buff, and so I was majoring in history and political science. But I also knew that I wanted to get into investing in that world, and so I picked up an economics minor and a business minor. And so I had some of those hard skills coming out of college on top of my passions. And, and I was actually became passionate about investing in, in all of that. So I actually was able to transition, use those hard skills I picked up in something I was passionate about. Ansley, any thoughts? One thing I did straight out of high school, everyone around me seemed to automatically think like, now's my time to go to university. Now's my time to really uh, get the college experience. Um, but one thing I gave up that um, was standing apart, but it wasn't standing apart to make me look good at all. Um, I held back and I actually went to community college, which was really looked down upon from the people around me. But in the long run, it actually gave me a lot more opportunity to network with the people around me um, in my own community that I had already known. So one thing I would recommend to people is not be so ready to leave your hometown straight out of high school and not so be so ready to lose those connections that you have with people. Because one thing I've learned um, coming out of high school and going into college is networking is one of um, one of those things that can get you a long way down the road. Just talking to people, getting to know people, you never know who you're talking to. And that can be so easy to do in the community you've grown up in your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. Building trust with people is huge. And I feel like we live in a time where we don't usually have super deep relationships with people. And those can really pay off in the long run. I really like what I think it was Bo said during the interview. He said, ask a question, why not? Which 
it's something that's given me a lot of opportunities throughout high school. If it's a good thing, and this is just going to sound like really general advice, but just ask why not. I've had a lot of opportunities that uh, I could have said no to, but gave me great opportunities to just be a part of some really cool experiences that I wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, and I think sometimes the things that set you apart are not things that people are telling you to do. Now, you may have you may have wise people in your life who are telling you to do things. You may have parents in your life telling you to do things. Sometimes we have a tendency to discount those things and say, yeah, you're supposed to say that. Right. I'm busy with other stuff. But the truth is, a lot of times in life, especially as you get older, people aren't holding your hand. So you really have to be aware of those opportunities. It could be different for different people, but keep your eyes open for opportunities and say, is that something that will help me out in the long term? Because people aren't necessarily doing those things. You know, investing money. A lot of people start thinking about that a little, maybe not too late in life, but a lot of people start thinking about it later than they should. Whereas if you get on the ball right now, then you can set yourself up for significant success. It doesn't require that much work, but you have to make sure that you keep your eyes open for those opportunities. So going off of what you were just talking about, you're talking about the ideas of success. And most of the time when we're talking about success, it's all focused on self. What can I do for me? Um, how can I gratify what I want for the future? But one thing Brian and Bo mentioned in the podcast was being selfless can actually get you a long way, especially when you're trying to get a job or anything like that. So what are some ways that we can be selfless in the workplace and just in the environments we're living every day? Yeah, so that's one thing that we haven't talked about up until this point, but that's one of the main things that drives the Money Guys show. They talk about the abundance cycle and giving a lot up front in the hopes that it'll pay off for them. They don't know that, but you start giving of yourself now so that down the road, it can benefit you. Right. But first you're helping people. And I wanted to share, today I interviewed someone that we're going to be hearing from after this series is done, and he says something that I love, and I think is a great piece of advice. He said, make the person you're serving, make your client your MVP, and if you do that, you're going to be successful. You know, you think back to whether you're in college or whether you're, you're working a job, it could be your boss, it could be a customer, it could be a professor, it could be a classmate. How can you make them the MVP? Because if you can do that, you're going to have success. Yeah, I think if you look at, say, Chick-fil-A, one of the most successful, probably the most successful business model um, in all of food, that's exactly what they do. They, they just treat you like you're a king or treat you with the utmost respect and the uh, utmost politeness, and everybody loves them uh, because of the way their employees act towards you. And it doesn't hurt that they have chicken that tastes like crack. Any thoughts there, Ethan? Oh, I I totally agree. I mean, Chick Fil A, they tell you. I mean, <laughs> hey, I mean, he struck the gold. Secret ingredient. <laughs> he struck gold. I mean, he's absolutely right. Isaiah is absolutely right. I mean, those guys know how to take care of their customers. You know, they're they're told, they're commanded to say my pleasure, no matter how many times we say thank you. Some people, you know, have a little fun with it and say thank you a lot just to get just to hear them say my pleasure a lot. But, uh, I, think but we're, I think we're finding out Ethan's true nature. Right here. But um, you know, there it's a clean establishment. I mean, when we travel, that's where we go because we know that. It's going to be a clean establishment that has good food and nice people. And you just, you can always count on it. And I think they even give police officers free sandwiches just so that there's almost always a police officer on campus at all times. And so they just come up with clever ways to make people feel safe. So anyhow, I don't know if you want to include all of that. And, and <laughs> We're just sponsoring <laughs> <laughs> 
I like it. Let's keep running with it. <laughs> None of this is going to be edited out. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that we can end on a higher point than Chick-fil-A ex- except to go to our key takeaways. So let's go ahead and go to those four this interview with Brian and Bo, uh, first of all, let me say the Money Guy Show is great to listen to. There's going to be some resources that are linked below. I highly recommend you check them out on their YouTube channel and subscribe to support them and to help yourself out for the future. But if you had to highlight a few takeaways from this interview with Brian and Bo, what would those be? I have uh, three quick ones, and we've touched on every single one of them so far, but just as a quick refresher, deferred gratification. Wait and think if you if you really want it and uh, save up and buy the, buy the one thing you really want. Uh, number two would be save $100 a month. Uh, you'll be a millionaire by the time uh, you're 65. And make yourself a peacock. Uh, they talked a lot about doing your research when you go in to try to get a job. Just uh, always figure out the way to go the extra mile, and like we were just talking about, Make your customer or make your client the uh, the number one priority. Ansley, how about you? I think one thing I definitely took away was um, that being wealthy and successful is attainable for normal individuals. It's normal for college students, for people who just got out of high school, um, and for adults who feel like they haven't started on time or have started too late. Another thing Brian and Bo talked about was taking the road less traveled, and that it may look boring um, at the time, but it's totally worth it in the end. If you're saving, if you're investing, um, you can only imagine in the future how that's going to pay off. Ethan, how about you? I've got two takeaways. First, I would say develop some simple disciplines to help you find financial freedom. And, you know, you know your own life and you you know what would be a good applicable discipline for your life. So, so do some thinking and, and develop some of those disciplines. Brian and Bo's podcast sounds like a great place to start. My second takeaway would be be intentional about personal development. Don't just do what you want to do. Do it in a way that will make you relevant to other people. And I have three takeaways. The first is to start somewhere. As you get started, you'll get more invested in the process, and pun intended right there, because the truth is that's not just about money. That's about your life in general. Get started somewhere, and from there you can move forward. The second thing is figure out how to set yourself apart from the crowd, kind of like Isaiah was saying already. And finally, adopt the abundance mindset, which is give to others first, and you will eventually benefit from it. Ansley, Isaiah, Ethan, thank you for joining the podcast this week. Absolutely. No problem. Thanks for joining the show this week. I hope you learned something new and feel more prepared to take leadership in your own life to the next level. If you found this content valuable and would like to help out the podcast, here are three things you can do. One, subscribe to the podcast so you'll get new episodes each week as they come out. Two, share this week's interview with someone you think could benefit from it. Or three, give us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. All three of these actions will make it easier for others to find us and join the community. You can never have too many good leaders, right? Until next time, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. 
Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist, it feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.